Welcome to Encore Nutrition, two peas in a podcast, a show that simplifies the overwhelming world of health and nutrition with evidence-based science. We're Elise and Lauren, your accredited practicing dietitians, empowering you with the knowledge and strategies to make real change today. And I'm Drew, here to make sure all your important questions are answered. This week, we're giving you Intermittent Fasting 101. We'll discuss the different types, what happens in our bodies, how to do it, and if you should even go there. First up, let's take a listen to the question from our community that got this whole episode started. Hi, I just wanted to know if intermittent fasting is healthy and sustainable, and if I should make the switch or not. So this is a question that we get frequently Mm. in practice. Um, and there's lots and lots of information online, in journals, um, regarding intermittent fasting and the different ways in which we can do it and the benefits it has on our health. So Loz is going to explain to us. Yeah, it's really interesting because a lot of people think intermittent fasting and they think some quite popular ways of doing that. And Drew, if I ask you what's intermittent fasting, what do you say? It depends. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> the safe answer. Uh, yeah. I may have read the show notes. No, uh, <laughs> there is um, what a five and two, sixteen and eight. But I guess for me, it's it's you you condense your eating window somehow, mm. either by time or days of the week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And like Drew just said, the five two, the sixteen eight, they're the kind of more popular styles of intermittent fasting. But really, what intermittent fasting means is eating enough for a period of time and eating less. For a period of time. Yep. And that might be eating nothing at all, or it might be eating less than what your body needs. There's heaps of different ways you can do mm. it. We think 5-2, which is where you reduce your intake for two days and eat normally for five, but we could actually intermittent fast over a period of months where you eat less than what you need for a month and then normally for a month. The, the time is less important. It's just what makes it practical and realistic in your lifestyle. So there's a whole bunch of ways you can do it and they kind of fall under three main banners. The first being alternate day fasting where you either eat nothing at all or restrict your intake to about 25% of what your body needs for one day and then the following day you liberalise your diet and eat normally. So it's kind of a day on, day off. There's another one called... Um, periodic fasting. And this is where things like the 5-2 diet and the two-day diet fall under, where essentially you restrict for periods of time, but they're not one day day on, one day off. It's more like two days on, five days off. Um, Then there's a third star, which is called time-restricted feeding or time-restricted eating, which is where the 16-8 falls under. So, This method is where you would match your eating style more closely to your circadian rhythm. And so you eat normally for a period of about eight hours or 10 hours if you're a female, and then you fast. So completely abstain from food for that remaining 14 or 16 hours. Mm. And I don't know about you, Elise, what do you see people asking you about most commonly? I think the two most common methods of fasting is definitely the 16-8 and I would say Michael Mosley's 5-2 diet. They're, they're the methods pop- that popularity. have gained a lot of traction. Yeah, and they tend to be those that are easier to implement in your mm-hmm. life because if you can imagine 
every second day having to either avoid food or only eat a quarter of what you need. That's quite hard. Um, And what I love about it is that all of these different methods can be molded and implemented in a way that best suits that person. For sure. And one thing that I know we advocate for, um, and there's lots of things that are really essential when it comes to intermittent fasting, but one thing we advocate for is actually keeping things sporadic and not developing too much of a pattern. Yeah, keep your body guessing. Exactly. And that's where you can get a lot of metabolic benefit and metabolic change if your body doesn't know what's coming. Mm. Because our bodies are amazing machines. We need to keep throwing different things at them to um, get, I guess, a desire, a different outcome. Because if if we keep fasting in the same way or eating the same sorts of food, our bodies will adapt, which is great in many ways that Mm. it adapts from being unwell, Mm. from injury. But that also means that we need to keep being creative in the ways that we eat um, to make sure that our bodies are constantly guessing. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the science is making assumptions about why intermittent fasting is either equivalent or in some cases um, more beneficial than generally general caloric restriction because there is that sporadic nature. Mm. And that's important both physiologically but also mentally Because if you know that tomorrow you can eat whatever you like or as normal, it's a lot easier to get through today. Absolutely. Yeah. And so where did this all come from? Where where did intermittent fasting first pop up? Is it always been part of the dietitian (laughs) toolkit for different different health things or...? Yeah, in in different ways. I think it's, like Elise said, gained a lot of traction and popularity more recently. But look, people and and cultures have been doing different styles of intermittent fasting for years and years and years. Mm, I know there's Ramadan, you know, for there's other sorts of um, Mm, ways of doing Yom Kippur. Cultural reasons. Look, um, if you look back to studies of ancient monks who live in monasteries, when they actually used to do a style of alternate day feeding where every second day the monks would be restricted to just a certain amount of milk and some fruit each day Mm. and what they found was that those monks who followed the alternate day feeding restriction actually lived longer and spent less time in the infirmary or the you know the hospital equivalent so it's very long-standing practice but uh, has become more popular for related to its physiological benefits and the science that's being uh, explored. Mm. And it's a really exciting area because there's a lot more research that's happening in the field of fasting with relation to specific chronic conditions. So Mm. whilst the science is quite um, in some way in its infancy, Mm. I think in the next couple of years there's going to be a lot more information coming out. Yeah, particularly with relevance to things like cancer, diabetes, our heart disease. Yeah, heart disease and, and also our ageing patterns as yeah. well. Because when I was, uh, I don't know, maybe five years ago, it was all like eat every two hours mm. and never stop eating to, to, <laughs> to fuel your metabolism, right? Yeah. Don't store your whole body out. That was yeah. the bodybuilding diet. Yeah. And now it's the opposite. I remember yeah. when I first came out like IF on mm. bodybuilding forum, like these people are crazy. Aren't they <laughs> the internet? Like this is yeah. insane, like insanity. So it's all and changed now, isn't it? Well, changing. And I think that's where it's key not to discount all of the other science that's been established. And that's why, for example, a 16-8 time-restricted feeding <clears throat> pattern, we actually would never encourage you to do it seven days a week because your body will become 
used to that style and be used to eat restricting for those 16 hours where there's actually benefit, we think, in introducing food earlier on perhaps a couple of days a week. Yeah. So your body doesn't know what's coming. So maybe there's two days a week where you do eat every two hours and then there's five days a week where you restrict your eating window to eight hours. And is this a longevity thing? Is it about giving where's – this, where's the value of it? Is it you give your gut a rest? Is it you give your body mm. a chance to rejuvenate? Is it what – because eating is stressful in the body, right? Like it, it creates a well, response. It demands yeah. resources. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And look, there is lots of potential benefits of intermittent fasting. And the science regarding intermittent fasting at the moment – is substantiated in animal mouse models specifically. Mm. But as I mentioned before, we're still waiting for a lot of data in respect to human models. Particularly long-term data because we might know what happens in a year or even six months, but we really are interested in what happens over decades. Yeah, Mm, sure. Definitely. And look, fasting is certainly not for everyone. In fact, I'm someone who actually doesn't love the art of fasting. I've most definitely... <laughs> you call it an art. Well, it is an art because I'm not very good at it. It's not very pretty when you're trying to fast. No. And look, I'm not a very good girlfriend. I'm not a great sister, daughter, friend or dietitian when I'm hungry. And Lauren can attest to that, can't you, Loz? Yes. Never let yeah. Elise go more than a few hours. <laughs> So, look, whilst I have doubled in it, I know for me it's not something that works. I don't get the most out of my days when I'm fasting, but I fully do appreciate that there are many benefits Mm. to it. And I guess physiologically what happens to our body when we're fasting is in a normal state, our body uses carbohydrates as its primary source of energy. Now, our body absolutely loves using carbohydrates as energy and is then broken down into smaller chains known as glucose, where it can be used in our body for energy or transported to our liver and muscles where it can be stored as glycogen and used later on. So during during a fast, this metabolic process changes. And after approximately 12 hours of fasting, once our blood glucose levels have been depleted and then our glycogen stores have been used, our body actually switches to using fat as an energy source. And this enhances our fat burning potential and can also um, help us to reach our body composition goals, Mm -hmm. which is the aim for a lot of people. Is this uh, the same as ketosis or is it a different thing? What's no, that? Different, no, different again? Yeah, different, yep. to, different to ketosis. Um, I guess it takes more like 72 hours yeah. to reach a state of ketosis, right. but utilising an alternate um, fuel, fuel source. source is beneficial in, in order to right. reduce our fat mass but preserve our muscle That's mass. Nice. Right. Okay, yeah. so the idea here is that you exhaust your carbohydrate stores yeah. and your body switches to fat yeah. and yeah. just use yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. And there are many different benefits of fasting. So firstly, we know it improves our insulin sensitivity. It can improve our cholesterol levels and blood pressure, can reduce our inflammation. As mentioned before, it enhances the mobilization of our fat stores and maintaining our lean body mass, so our muscle mass. And as well, we know that can it can actually uh, reduce the risk of chronic diseases, be that diabetes, cardiovascular disease, liver disease, some neurological conditions like Alzheimer's, and also some cancers. As Lauren mentioned before, we know that there is some data that's emerging with regard to enhanced cellular regeneration and aging, Mm. um, which is known as autophagy. So 
it is proposed that um, through fasting we can actually help to reduce free radical damage, which, as I said before, can result in ageing. Mm. And this is where we really want to know the long-term animal studies, sorry, long-term human human studies, because the animal studies might predict that it will impact our disease risk and our ageing potential. But yeah, we need more data in humans to really establish if that's realistic and true for the human Mm. model. Mm. But exciting nonetheless Mm. that we're seeing these great results. Beyond even just the physiological benefits that come from fasting, there is also a lot of psychological or mental benefits that can actually help us to understand our own bodies individually. And anyone who's been on a fast, and Elise, I'm looking at you, girl, because look at me. <laughs> what you learn is you, you appreciate what true hunger feels like. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And I think in our society, we're very fortunate to have a constant food supply where we live in a society where food is at our fingertips mm. most of the day, all day, every day. Yeah. And if we can appreciate what true hunger feels like, then it actually will allow us to respect our food more Yeah, and kind of get back a bit of control when it comes to that food relationship. Yeah. And I might just add in there, I know I said that I don't like fasting, but actually sometimes without realising or unintentionally, I will fast because some mornings I wake up and I don't feel like breakfast first thing in the morning. Mm. So I don't make myself eat at that time. Probably subconsciously, maybe I have fasted 14 or 16 hours, but it's for me, it's doing it in a way that's listening to my body and that I'm eating intuitively rather than specifically following the rules rules and waiting till the clock turns to 12 o'clock (laughs) p.m. when I can eat my first meal. Yeah, yeah I've uh, I've tried all versions of fasting <clears throat> and I like at least don't like it all that much. Yeah. Um, mainly because I like coffee too much. Mm. Well, <laughs> True, that's my issue. That's yeah. my issue because yeah. Yeah. First I... First thing in the morning, I want a coffee. And I want milk yeah. in my coffee. Yeah, I want milk in my coffee, exactly. <laughs> so something really interesting. So mm. my father, he is an incredible man and he really takes... Shout out to Michael. Shout out, Michael yeah. Den. Um, he takes fasting to the next level. In fact, he has... He, I mean, no one's going to believe me here, but it actually is true. His first meal of the day... So his technical, technically his breakfast is 5 p.m. Yep. So yeah, that's his yeah. first meal of the day. You did mm. not get those jeans. I didn't get <laughs> those jeans. I think I got <laughs> my jeans from my mother. <laughs> but um, he has seen, I guess, um, after getting some blood tests and, and um, looking at some of the data, he's had improved, improved um, insulin sensitivity, a reduction in his blood glucose level, mm. reduction in his lipid profile and his cholesterol. Mm. So we know it works, but, it, but you know, it's and hard for, to do. For him it works. And for him it does yeah. work. And, and maybe at his age, with his lifestyle, how yeah. much he's working out, there's always different oh, things. Oh, for sure. Right? Totally. So, yeah. And look, I know we've got clients and I'm thinking of one in particular who is has recovered from breast cancer and he's on ongoing endocrine or hormonally-based therapies, which actually makes true weight loss as fat really challenging for women. And... With the support of her medical oncologist, we actually had introduced a intermittent fasting regimen. So she started doing 5-2. Um, again, we collaborated with her exercise physiologist too to make sure that her exercise and her eating routines were married up really nicely um, because I, that's so key. Um, but she actually managed after six months of 
cal- caloric restriction, not losing a single kilo, she actually went on to lose 16 kilos wow. in about six months. That's amazing. And has managed to keep it up, feeling amazing. But wasn't able to do so with standard weight loss efforts. Mm. And so if there are kind of hormonally driven uh, challenges, sometimes shaking things up a little bit from a metabolic Mm. point of view can be really helpful. And we know as well that condensing the window that you're eating actually helps you to stick to a calorie deficit Mm. because you're reducing the number of hours in which you can eat. Mm. Well, it gives you license to say, no, I don't want that late night chocolate mm. that I normally would give like, like in for. Yeah, I'm not yeah, allowed to. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But it's a self-imposed That's right. inverted yeah, commas rule. Yeah. yeah, so it's creating your own boundaries <clears throat> and giving yourself a bit of licence to create that respect mm. for yourself and your food. And that, that's what I found worked for me. It was I, So I did – I ate breakfast, but then I would finish eating at like 3 or 4 o'clock. Mm. But uh, my my dead zone is the the wandering through the kitchen for three or four hours after work, just just grazing <laughs> so many through that. Do that <laughs> yeah. So just removing that that mm. moment of you know weakness or whatever it might be in the, the day is where I got the best gain. It wasn't yeah. mainly the fasting so much; it's mm. just the behavioural change. Yeah, because yeah. you put some restrictions mm. around, right. you know, that yeah. wandering around the kitchen some, at night. Mm. Some mindfulness, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, and. You mentioned about coffee and mm. coffee's kind of a bit of a grey zone when it comes to intermittent fasting because a mm. lot of people will say, Yes, you can have black coffee. Black coffee, that's right. Or others tea, will right. say yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, others will say you can't. Mm. And where the science sits at the moment is really it depends on what your goals are when it comes to intermittent fasting. Because if your goals are around body composition and weight change, then having black coffee might actually be beneficial mm. because the uh, mental strain that comes from being completely fast is hard and having... And not having a coffee in the morning. Yes. Even so harder. having black tea or black coffee to kind of tide you over can be really beneficial. But also the caffeine in those drinks can uh, alter our metabolic processes that actually contributes to more fat being burnt. So mm. it, it uh, induces ketosis more so than no coffee at all. So it doesn't break the fast because that was always the thing. So it doesn't break the fast yeah. if your goal is body composition. Uh, but some, but there are some scientists right. that say because the coffee does trigger um, a, a secre- the secretion of enzymes from liver, the liver, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that means that the fast is technically broken because our system has actually started working as soon as yeah. that we have that coffee. So again, it's it's one of those grey grey areas. And that's where if your goal around intermittent fasting is longevity and anti-aging and that lifelong um, kind of long-term goals, Mm. then the science is suggesting that perhaps you should avoid anything other than water. And that's where you hear that 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 qualification, right? Mm. I was on a two-day water fast Mm. as opposed to fasting, which could include coffee. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. but really like you've got to start somewhere. So Mm. if you are interested Mm. in intermittent fasting, you wouldn't go from the couch to a marathon tomorrow. No. So if the process of adding in black tea, black coffee, herbal teas, something to fill that void for those hours in the morning or whenever, gold. yeah, start there. Mm. And if you're doing that and you're thriving and you're feeling great and you want to take it to the next level, then try without um, and get some feedback from your body. See how you feel. Did it make a difference? If not, your call. So it gets the um, dietitian to give approval, the fasting as a as a lifestyle choice if you want to go there? Not for everyone. Yeah, no, definitely not for Always everyone. <laughs> What's really, really key? No, because yeah. so many people go, right, I'm going to intermittent fast. Yes. And the fasting part is actually the easy part. Yep. 
The hard part is breaking your fast Mm. and actually having a nutritionally sound baseline diet all the other hours that you're not fasting. Yeah. I was going to say, because it gives you permission to really go for it. Well, exactly. And that's what ha- that's what's happened with a lot of my clients. Yeah. We've implemented an intermittent fasting regime and at 12 p.m. or 11 a.m. when they want to break their fast, yeah, they go ham on whatever mm. is around. And we know that that can actually negate the benefits of the fast yeah. if right. you're breaking it on a high glycemic index, you know, high oh, processed yeah. foods. Mm. Um, so, so why is that? Is, 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 as in uh, we, we've talked before about how those foods aren't necessarily the healthiest yeah, of choices, yeah. but is it, is it amplified by breaking a fast with them as well? Absolutely yeah, it wow, is, okay. yeah. And so what happens is if you break a fast on a high glycemic index food, mm. what happens is all of a sudden after a state of having no glucose and depleting your glycogen stores, you get an influx of glucose into your bloodstream. And then an influx of insulin. Influx of insulin, which means that your body is less able to access your fat stores, but you're also put on a roller coaster. You start the day on this spike high. Drew's watching my arm going (laughs) up in the sky. And then your blood sugars drop within one to two hours. And then you're scrambling for the next high next glycemic thing. index. Right. Food. You're hungry again. And if you start your day on a roller coaster, you're up, down, up, down for the rest of the day. Yeah. So the really, really key to not only have an understanding of your body, your nutritional choices, but be prepared and plan to break your fast. And look, I know I probably speak for you, Elise, as well, is that I've had clients knock on my door, come in, hi, I'd, I'd like to see you today because I'd like to start intermittent fasting. And a lot of them I've said, actually, no, I'm sorry, it's it's not going to work for you just yet. Let's spend a bit of time getting your yeah. otherwise diet sound check first, and right. then we do it because I don't yeah. want to set you up for failure. Right. So as with all everything, diet, nutrition, it's not um, – there's no acute panacea. It's, it's kind of the, the full spectrum of what you're mm. doing. So it's um, once you've listened to the first uh, seven episodes of the podcast and you clean up your diet, <laughs> start there, great <laughs> then content. Then you can start fasting. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then fasting will add yet another like health benefit to what you're doing yeah, possibly. On, off, a, off a healthy baseline essentially, right? Yeah. Okay. And look, we've, got some, we've put together some guides to help mm-hmm. um, establish that baseline and also help you to break your fast in a clever, <clears throat> sustainable way that will actually – amplify or enhance you towards your goals rather than set you up to be on a roller coaster. So you can jump on our website. They're all available via the Encore store. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just type in intermittent fasting. You'll find them all. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, really key, like can't say it enough. Mm. It doesn't work unless you are eating well. Yeah. And we do always recommend that if this is a practice that you want to embark on, you know, starting under the guidance of a trained medical practitioner, be that your dietitian, your mm. GP, mm. Um, make sure they're aware that this is a practice that you want to undertake because there is also a lot of contraindications when it comes to fasting. Mm. Um, and it's important that if you are on any medications, if you've got any sort of chronic conditions or comorbidities, it could actually impact on those things negatively. So yeah. it's really important that if you do want to partake in this, that um, your medical team your is team's aware. on board, mm. yeah. And not just your medical team, but things like your personal trainer or your exercise physiologist. Mm. Because if you're rocking up to training fasted and all of a sudden you're not, your outputs aren't what they used to be or you actually need to have your blood pressure yeah. checked halfway through to make sure you're, <laughs> you know, feeling comfortable to continue and push yourself, then 
everybody needs to be on board with that. Yeah. And I know for the dietitians out there, I know Laura and I speak on behalf of you. When we have clients that we know are seeing personal trainers or exercise physiologists, we will actually put together a fasting regime around when their training is. Mm. So I will, as much as possible, particularly at the beginning when they're first getting used to fasting, not schedule their fast windows and exercise windows at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, that's quite smart. And a lot of, you know, feedback we get from our uh, colleagues that are EPs or personal trainers is that a lot of their clients train better when they're fueled. Well, that, that was going to be my question because there was this whole, um, once again, I'm mm. hard back to all my uh, bro science, <laughs> but uh, there was this whole thing about pre-workout, eating this meal before you work out, yeah. within yeah. 30 minutes putting this much into your body. Yeah. And it was all fueling that workout mm. to get the best possible return. And then I've forgotten the guy's name now. We'll put it in the show notes. But he's a big um, uh, Dom Diostano. There you go. He's yeah, a big cancer. Man. Yeah, mm. right. And he's he's showing that, you know, he deadlifted like a billion pounds mm. or something after a seven-day fast. Plus so he's it. saying, you know, yeah. your your body hydration is probably the most important thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you've yeah. also got to yeah. factor in that seven days he's in ketosis. So right. he's so generating he's ketones. his body. Got exactly. it. Okay, Whereas right, right, Whereas 12 right, hours, right. you're not feeling You're, right. not, getting, you're, not, getting you're not in ketosis yet. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, if the, so fueling your workout, and maybe this is this is where it got really difficult for me when I was trying to do it. It's like you, you try and balance this this plate and mm. it's like you got this plate spinning. You're like, oh, no. So I've got to work out at five, which means I've got to eat at three, which means yeah. I've got to break my fast mm. by two. And yeah. Blah, yeah, and you've got to work yeah. backwards. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, I think we should do a whole episode on nutrition around your workout. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. there's so much that, um, that needs to be, I guess, clarified in the yeah. science around mm. it. I used to go to a bodybuilding gym. I've got good stories about that. There's also a lot mm. of bro yeah. science around fasted cardio and mm. enhancing yeah. Um, so I love that fat stores for whatever reason psychologically I like, like yeah. faster cardio a lot of people yeah. feel better when they're yeah. empty but and a lot of people won't actually work as hard as well so yeah. you've got to look at your outputs yeah. Yeah. yeah for me I'm the same Drew I actually like if I'm training in the morning I prefer mm. to train fasted mm. um, but as as the studies stand uh, you actually don't burn any more fat training fasted mm. first fed really yeah god damn it <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you don't have a Big Mac and go for a run, but mm. you can <laughs> also have a yeah. coffee in the morning you're okay. Yeah, totally. okay. You can have a coffee and, yeah, <clears throat> can't stress enough how key it is to break your fast wisely, not just from the physiological point of view of putting yourself on the roller coaster, but also feeling great about what you've just achieved. Yeah. Because to go 14 or 16 hours without eating, I mean, I'm it's putting hard. my hand up. That is hard yeah. and I'm giving myself a high five at the end. Yeah. And to recognize that hunger and to feel it mm. and then to fill your body with something that's really nourishing. It's rewarding. So rewarding. Yeah. And, and you I, want to maintain that positive momentum as opposed to other feelings that might be more negative if you're overeating yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And I think as well what's important is not to be a hero and set yourself up for failure. Mm. Fasting is hard and we all know what feeling hangry is like. So mm. don't go from, you know, not fasting at all and eating every two hours to trying to fast 16 hours. That's that's probably going to be unrealistic. Start with maybe 12 hours, you know, work your way up to 14 hours and then 16 hours after yeah. that. We 12, want it 12 to be, is really easy, by the way. Like 12 you, is easy. You, if you finish eating at 7.38 and you get up at 8, there's, you know, there's your 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it means you can't eat. On the couch at no, night that's, that's or at 10 o'clock, like really, exactly. Yeah, we're eating that, that sneaky um, yeah. chocolate thing before we go to bed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. 
uh, I tried five and two, but I just didn't read about it. I went, oh, five and two. I've been doing 16 and eight for ages. Like, oh, mm. five and two. It's mm, the same yeah. as 16 and eight, but it's just like, you know, just two different. days. <laughs> so I ate like 4,000 calories at the end of the, <laughs> end of the day too. So oh, I, just, I just thought it was like, yeah. Oh, see, Can I ask, what did you eat? Dietitians at like six burritos. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So just read, read, yeah. read the thing Understand that you put on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're read here now, guides. Drew. Read, yeah, read our guides. guides. But also one thing yeah. about the five two that I find interesting and a lot of – I don't know, I'm probably stereotyping, but a lot of older kind of more – uh, older than us, yeah. <laughs> You're trying to be diplomatic, you lads. You say maybe over fifties. Yeah, they yeah. tend to be do quite geared well. towards the five two, and they yeah. tend mm. to do quite well. Yeah, yeah. But there's a bracket that's a little bit younger, sort of thirty five to fifty. Mm. I actually find it really challenging to do the five two, mostly because they're sitting down with their family for dinner. Got it. And what I yeah, right. absolutely never want to do is have mum eat a different meal mm. to, to the Jimmy, yeah. the seven year old. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's good as long as you, it's good as an additional healthy thing to other healthy things you're doing. Mm, if it feels good, feels good. But yep. also, we've got to recognise that in restricting, in, and I'm focusing on the sixteen eight here. Mm. In restricting your eating window to six to eight hours, you've still got to hit all of your nutrient targets. Mm. Yes, mm. So and hydration in particular. Yeah, your vitamins and minerals, your fibre, your hydration, all yep. your good fats, and that's hard to do if you're. If you're skipping. Yeah. I've never had that problem for whatever reason. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. So and But and you it, might be yeah. you might be meeting your calorie needs, but are you getting all of your calcium, iron, your folate? That's more yeah. the issue. Yeah. And I'm most starving. people don't know that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll you'll go for a fat protein heavy meal with mm. no vegetables. Mm. To, yeah, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Which yeah. means that you're missing out on a lot of valuable yeah. fibers. Yeah. Yeah. And another reason why maybe it's not a seven day a week scenario, it's five days. Or it's even two. Or two. Or three, whatever yeah. it might be. Or we'll yeah. start with one. Yeah. And hydration is key. I think <laughs> yeah. you mentioned that, Elise. Because we get um, we get 20 to 30% of our fluids from food. So if we're missing an entire meal, we need to help fill that void. Um, so it's really important that – and look, as a, as a kind of baseline, I always say to my patients – aim for at least two litres of water mm. per day. I mean, look, it does depend on your weight, but as mm. kind of a blanket, yeah, and at least two litres. Yeah, and anyone who's interested, grab – you've got your phone close by, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> if you calculate your body weight in kilograms by roughly 35 mils, that will tell you how much fluid, on average, your body needs each day. Yeah, well. Um, and that includes water, black or herbal tea, plain soda or mineral water. Or just water. Yeah. So if you weigh, let's say, 60 kilos, you might need 2.1 litres of fluid, fluid a day. day. Right. And we generally <clears throat> say if you're exercising for every hour of exercise, add a litre. Yep. Yeah, so you okay. need to go above and beyond. So two, two hours is a good baseline, then plus, plus mm. whatever you're working out with. Yeah. Yeah. Any other points to wrap on? In terms of fasting, because it's it's a very dense topic, it's we might do another topic. whole show and about it. But they, they, I think we've answered a lot of like key like top level mm, questions. Yeah, yep, and yep. there is, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of contraindications, and I think that will mm. be really important for anyone, any of our listeners that do want to implement a fasting regime. Mm-hmm. That you're aware of those contraindications, so I think we will do a part two um, of our intermittent pod- yeah. fasting podcast, so yes. that yeah, um, we can talk through some of those things. And also, don't be a hero. Know when to stop. 
if it doesn't feel right, if you're, you know, you will feel hungry, mm. but if you're feeling faint or dizzy or your vision's impaired or you're shaking. Get if, some food. If you're feeling uncomfortable, <laughs> you need <laughs> yep. to eat. Um, yep. And we're very happy to guide you around what that might look like for you or mm. support you to make sure you're doing it in a safe and sustainable way. Yep. Okay, I think that's a, that's a good jumping off point in terms of uh, further follow-up questions. Mm. Don't feel that uh, that's the last show we're going to on this topic. It might be the first ah, of many. I think so, we'll do some more. And if you've got yep. any particular questions around intermittent fasting practicalities, what it might look like for you or what's worked or what hasn't for you, send, send them, them in. We want to hear it. Instagram, We've also got some excellent blogs on our website yep. as yep. well. Yeah. Um, if yeah, you want some more information, um, it's all there. Jump on. Okay. On to the, uh, the next of many intermittent fasting shows. But mm. uh, yeah, send through the questions and uh, that wraps this week. Thanks very much. Thank you. And that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening in and we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you drop by and say hi on the Encore Nutrition website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Encore Nutrition. We absolutely want to hear from you and encourage everyone to join in on the conversation. Now, it's important to say that while Lauren and Elise are very knowledgeable on the world of diet and nutrition, we always encourage you to speak with your medical expert to assure that the advice is right for you. And we'll be back next week to break down all things food, diet, nutrition, and lifestyle. From Elise and Lauren and me here just to make sure it all makes sense. <laughs>